You're listening to Special Education Matters, a regular podcast about things that matter in special education. I'm your host, Michael Bull, and I am the proud father of an 18-year-old boy with autism. Kim Taylor is an advocate in rural Hollister, California, where she works with a variety of families in the area. Her experience with special education goes back to her family upbringing, where her parents helped pass the original Education Disabilities Law called PLN 94-142 back in 1975. This kickstarted the IDEA and the rights our students with special needs have today. Kim is also a parent to a child with special needs. Kim describes herself as a loud aunt that just won't go away and reminds us to see our students' needs as challenges and not problems. Enjoy the conversation. Kim Taylor, thanks so much for joining me on the program today. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, it's nice to have you here. We had a good chat before the show, so let's get rolling with some information for people. And we'll start off with, what services do you provide as an advocate? I review IEPs, education records, assessments. Um, I attend IEP meetings with families. I'm also a huge advocate in the for system change and spend time at board meetings and, and other uh, capacities advocating for the needs of uh, children and people that have challenges. All right. And what parts of California do you cover? I live in a small rural community called Hollister, California. It's in San Benito County. We have about 60,000 people here. And I also advocate in Southern Santa Clara County and Monterey County. All right. So you're probably the only advocate maybe in the Hollister area, perhaps? Um, I have heard that there are a few others, but I seem to be the one that people are calling. I think most of the other advocates in our area tend to work in other counties. While I try to really focus in San Benito County, we're rural and we have very few services here. And I think we that means that we have greater needs. So I want to primarily help the people in my community first and help in the other communities as I have time. Sure, that makes sense. All right, so the decision to become an advocate is a big decision. You know, you're working with families, helping them to access educational services for their kids. And you have an interesting backstory yourself, perhaps, on how you got involved and decided to become an advocate. Can you tell us or share that with us, please? Well, in a nutshell, um, I grew up in a family that both of my brothers had special needs. And my parents were huge advocates for our brothers. They Mm -hmm. had actually started a uh, satellite group called the Association for Children with Learning Disabilities. And that was in Tulsa, Oklahoma at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, they became actively involved and really grew that group. Then when we moved to California, um, as times uh, changed and PL94142 evolved. My parents attended the first meetings in regards to that public law, which helped establish IEPs. Then as an adult, I adopted both our kids from uh, South Korea. Okay. And my son has special needs. He has higher functioning autism, uh, mild cerebral palsy, expressive and articulation disorder. He had seizures. Um, Mm -hmm. 
And we spent a lot of time um, with therapists and specialists, and I was a huge advocate for him. Then about three years ago, I decided that I wanted to be formally trained as an advocate. Mm -hmm. And I found classes through National Special Education Advocacy Institute, and I decided to take those classes. Through them, I'm board certified, even though board certification is still not required in California. Mm -hmm. I just felt it was important to, in addition to my personal experience, have a formal education that included advocacy. And um, that's how I got started in my business. Oh, I see. Well, yeah. So tell me more about those classes. Like, what do you learn as an advocate or before you become an advocate from those classes? What sort of things do they teach you? Well, they teach you about the basic laws and also that even though you are an advocate, um, you are not a legal advocate. Mm -hmm. You need to know the laws but and how to manipulate use them to to your to the advantage of the client but um that you can't go in and legally advocate they also the thing that i liked about national special education advocacy institute was they went through two classes on assessments and how to understand assessments and mm, what they mm -hmm. were for um they also uh, talked about you learned how to kind of special ed 101 on various special needs. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there were about nine or 10 classes that uh, taught you to be a proactive advocate rather than a reactive advocate. Mm -hmm. And um, learned about the IEP, the special education process, behaviors, um, I took specialty classes in autism management, uh, transition. Um, you know, it just, it gave a good overview of what I would be dealing with as a professional advocate. And then I also am required to take ongoing continuing education units uh. as to maintain that certification. And I, I enjoy being educated. I think, and I think it's important. It helps you stay up to date. Things are changing all the time. There's always new information, and it's, it's, uh, it it can be overwhelming for parents to be able to parent their child and navigate the special education system. Mm -hmm. So that's really brought me to advocacy, and it's something that I'm passionate about is I feel this has been my calling. So as a parent to a child with special needs, does that influence maybe your style as an advocate? You mentioned being it's better to be proactive rather than reactive as an advocate. Can you tell us, you know, what is your style when you sit down and you meet with a parent or when you're at an IEP meeting with the school representatives there? What sort of, I don't know, what's it like to, to experience that with you? I mean, as a parent, I think I have a special understanding and of what parents are going through, mm -hmm. what it's like to find out that your child has special needs. Um, then, it, and that it's not often one 
parents often want an answer of what's, what is the problem and what you find out as a parent of a child with special needs is it's usually multiple challenges and to look at it as challenges instead of looking at, at it as a problem. And that the more that you can look at each individual challenge, understand that challenge and figure out what best works for your child's learning needs, the more progress they're going to make. The other thing that I can offer parents is, is to tell them, don't ever close the door. You're going to have mm-hmm. a lot of professionals that close the door and say, oh, your child will never do this. Your child will never do that. Don't ever close that door. Um, don't, don't let somebody else close it for you. Get to know your child. Get to know what their needs are. And do, do your best to help them meet their maximum potential. When I sit down with school districts, I try to, or schools, I really, I've been known as the friendly advocate around here because I really try to approach this from a non-adversarial standpoint. Okay. Bringing adversity is not going to get you anywhere. It's just going to get people's defenses up. And I'm not going to say that there isn't ever adversity. But if, if there's somebody that I, I'm there to kind of take the brunt for parents um, mm-hmm. so that it's okay for me to not be popular. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's not about being popular. It's about getting kids' needs met. And it, that's a hard thing for parents to do. There's emotions that come into it. And I try to work with the parents and the schools to help everyone understand that and that the focus is on the unique needs of the child. It's not on these other extraneous things that inherently come into the discussion when you're advocating. I'm not trying to attack anybody. I'm trying to work together to get the child's needs met. So when you're thinking about your role as an advocate, you know, there's a lot going on, a lot of different things that you've already talked about. And what do you find perhaps the most interesting part of being an advocate? And then after that, what challenges do you see advocates facing today? I think the most, for me, the most interesting part is working with the people involved. That can also be the most challenging part. Um, I think one of the things that I see that's challenging for myself and I think for advocates today is Mm -hmm. that in spite of the different laws and the protections and the ed codes and all the things that are available out there now to Mm -hmm. help kids, the, the programs and whatever is that things really haven't changed very much from the sixties and seventies when all these great um, ideas and laws came into play. We really haven't made a lot of progress. Money is still, even though it's not said to be the issue, mm-hmm. um, is still a big player of course, yeah. um, in providing, in providing services. And it's frustrating to me that for instance, dyslexia legislation passed, new dyslexia legislation. And 
that there still are not the right programs in place to help children who have dyslexia. It shouldn't be that difficult to go in and get a child the right reading program that's going to help them learn to read. And the, you know, one of the biggest predictors for the school to prison pipeline Mm -hmm. is a child not being able to read. And Uh, that, to me, that's like a basic, a fundamental right. Um, And it's, you know, kids are supposed to be given an equal opportunity to be educated as their peers are. Mm -hmm. And it's just not happening. And that's, that's sad to me. I mean, we could talk. It's amazing to me. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was going to say at the beginning or earlier in the show, you talked about systemic change, and this points to those sorts of issues. Do you feel like funding is one of the main issues when it comes to systemic change, or is it just the system itself needs to be reworked? I think the system itself needs to be reworked. I think, okay. you know, for as much education as people receive to go into teaching and to go into uh, education administration, I, I find it fascinating that they don't understand the basics of what is required and what they need to do. Mm-hmm. There, there really seems to be a lack of knowledge, and that surprised me to some degree. Because these are supposed to be the experts. And I think that would go a long way in cha- if, if, if there was more dedication to training and mm-hmm. actual experience instead of theory. Okay. I so- think that would go a long way to fixing the system. And then... Of course, money always helps. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's why I wonder, since you're in a rural, smaller district, you probably run into the same people all the time. Do you find that you're able to influence some of those systemic changes, at least in the areas that you work today? I am working hard on doing that. It is a challenge because it is a small rural area mm-hmm. that has many needs. and. Um, it's it's difficult. I yes, I think I have made some changes. Um, it's one of those little steps at a time. Uh, right. The ant moving the mountain, <laughs> um, and uh, I'm a loud little ant <laughs> that won't go away. Um, I you know, it's to me, it's the principle of what is what people, what children deserve in life. If this isn't mm-hmm. about the money for me. This this is a this is principle, and this is about human rights, and this is about addressing needs, and this is about helping people so that they can contribute to our society, rather than be a drain on our society. Um, so while I do individual advocacy, I really work hard to try to hopefully make some permanent changes. Well, Kim, we're coming towards the end of our time here. What's a good way for people to get a hold of you? Um, people can reach me either through my email at Kim, K-I-M, J as in Johnson, 
T as in Taylor, 803 at gmail.com, or they can call me at 831-801-1785. I also have a Facebook page called Education Advocacy that I would encourage people to look at. I try to post updates. One of my goals is is to educate everyone. Um, And hopefully someday, maybe we won't need to have advocates and I'll be out of a job. (laughs) We can only hope. And all that information I will have on our show notes as well as ways to contact you and then the Facebook page too. Kim, thanks so much for your your time today. I appreciate all your Thanks for listening to another edition of Special Education Matters. For more information, including show notes, head to our website, csnlg.com slash listen. And if you like what you hear, please uh, consider giving us a review on iTunes. Those reviews bring us lots of happiness. I'm your host, Michael Bull, and we will talk again soon. <laughs>